It's uh, good to be back, and we're going to start a new series on our adult life class this morning. And the first thing I'm going to need is a volunteer. Who wants to volunteer for me? Or am I going to have to pick a volunteer? Oh, dear me. Who's, who's trying not to look at me? <laughs> so Sam's like, I'm looking at you now, Pastor. Don't pick on me. Uh, who can I pick on? Who can I pick on? I don't know. You're going to volunteer for me. All right, that's great. No, I actually need you over there by the front door. Turn to the person next to you. Say, Happy New You. All right. Now, Brother Matthew, as our courageous volunteer, just stand here for me. Okay. See that mark over there that I put on the floor, the tea towel? I want you to walk over there and stand on it. Hang on. First, I want you to turn around. I want you to look at me. And don't take your eyes off my eyes. And I want you to walk backwards. Is this difficult? Uh-uh, don't look at me. You can't look at me. Nah, I saw those looks. That's it. This is taking a bit of time. Doing really well. Don't look. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Nearly ran into the chair there. Good, I'm glad. That's what I thought would happen. Excellent. Still taking a bit longer, isn't it? Don't look, don't look. Well done. Let's give him a hand clap. Thank you. Do you think walking backwards made it harder for him to get to the spot? Do you think there was maybe a little less confidence than if you could look and see forward at where he was going? You think? You know, he, 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 Brother Matthew ran into the chair there because I was making him not look. I was watching him around that first corner and his eyes were like trying to use that peripheral vision. But, but I was telling him, no, you got to keep your eyes looking at me and walk backwards. It's interesting, isn't it? This year, many people will make goals and resolutions. How many people have set a New Year's resolution? Who believes in that here? Do people set New Year's resolutions here? Few people have, yeah. A lot of people set New Year's resolutions and they make goals and they make, um, you know, they focus on these things and things like that. And, but here's the thing. Many people head towards those goals looking backwards at their pasts at their past, at their mistakes, at their failures, and, and they often get tripped up by those things because we don't look forward. We Instead, we focus looking back. And, and when we think particularly of New Year's Day, you know, when we, we, it's often that thing. I mean, who stayed up till midnight on New Year's Day? You know, I did, or New Year's Eve, I should say, and, and waited until the turnover and and, and we often do that. And when it happens, we make resolutions and things like that. But the reality is, is there is not a whole lot of difference between December 31st and January the 1st, right? It's just another day. The sun still comes up. 
The sun still sets at the end of the day. We still need to have breakfast. We still need to have dinner. There's still things we need to do in life. If you're, if you're a worker, you might have to work still. There's, there's, there's not a whole lot of difference, but yet we do put a lot of emphasis on that new year and new year resolution because a new year often symbolizes a fresh start. And we're hoping for better days ahead. Amen. This year, for better or for worse, life is going to happen. Amen. Some of it will be out of your control. Some of it will be within your control. You may do really well at work. You may do really poor at work. You may love what you're doing in your life right now. Or maybe you'll get frustrated with what's happening in your life. You may find someone new as, as a, a friend and an associate and someone you can be close to. Or maybe an old friend will drift away from your life. Some good things and some bad things will also happen from the choices that we make this year. You may choose to exercise more. Or you may choose to open another pack of potato chips. <laughs> Hello? You may choose to study young people at school. Or you may choose to... Get lost on a video game on your phone. Hello? You may choose persistence. Or you may choose quitting. And finally, you may choose God. Or you may choose the world. Sometimes life does just happen. And God's favor on our life does not mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you. And, and just because we might feel like we have disappointed God, it does not mean we will never experience better days again. Good and bad things happen to everybody. You know, the Bible tells us that God sends His rain on the just and the unjust, His Son on the, on the good and on the evil. You know, it happens to everyone. But if we, we turn to Galatians chapter 6 this morning... I want to read your scripture here, and I think I'm going to read it later on today when I preach as well. As you're turning there, someone say, Happy New You. Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 7. Everyone say amen when you're there. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, we don't need an advanced degree in agriculture to understand that principle, do we? We don't need to really go to university and study for four years to understand the sow and reap principle. We know that if we sow a coconut, we will reap a palm tree. We know if we plant a banana tree, we will get bananas. Amen. It doesn't matter how many times 
you plant that banana tree, it is never, ever, ever going to give you a pawpaw or a watermelon. It will always give you a banana over and over and over again. And so we can understand and what the scripture is saying here is that good or bad consequences result from good or bad choices. You see, the, 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 the thing to have a better year and the thing to have a happy new year, the key to that is to make better choices in our life. Amen. You know, making mistakes is part of being human. Put your hand up if you've made a mistake today. <laughs> you know what I mean? We make mistakes. It's part of being human. And so, so that, that's all right. And when you, when you look at some of the greatest heroes in the Bible, they made mistakes as well. Abraham made a mistake. He got tired of waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And so he had a child with a woman that was not his wife. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 16. His impatience with the plan of God resulted in two nations that were perpetually at war. And even today, we are still at war with, not at, we're not at war with them, but there is war in that region because of the decisions that Abraham had made. It was a mistake. Moses made mistakes. When the Israelites were grumbling because there was no water to drink, Moses hit a rock and water gushed out. But God had told Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. And he disobeyed. He made a mistake. And because of that mistake, he was not allowed to enter into the promised land. Adam and Eve made a mistake. And we're very familiar with the mistake they made. They chose to disobey God. And that affects us even to this day. You know, we do need to learn how to grow up, though. Look at this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. This year is going to be an interesting year, church. I've got my leaders planning meeting, which I haven't locked in yet, but it's going to be happening um, within the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to talk to them about some of the things that God has laid on my heart for our church in this new year. It's going to be interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, Paul writes, he says this, When I was a child... I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, when you're four years old, it's okay to play cops and robbers with your imaginary friend. It's okay to have an imaginary friend, amen? But if you're 24 years old or 34 years old, or 44 years old. Playing with an imaginary friend becomes a bit of a problem, doesn't it? People kind of think, that's a bit crazy. And much the same way as a, as a child has just been born in a hospital, we don't expect it to cook for itself. We don't expect it to change its own nappy. We don't expect it to be able to look after itself. Why? Because it's a baby. But at some stage... If that child is still requiring us to change a nappy, there's something wrong. If that child reaches 25, 35, 45, 
and they can't cook for themselves. They can't clean for themselves. They can't look up. There's, there's something not quite right there. And we understand that in the natural sense, don't we? But the reality is, is that in the spiritual sense, it is much the same. God intends for Christians to grow continually throughout their life. There comes a time when you must no longer need someone more spiritually mature than you to hold your hand as you cross life's streets. I'm going to say that again. There needs to come a time in your life where you are spiritually mature enough that you don't need someone to spiritually hold your hand and help you across life's streets. Amen. We need to learn to grow. God intends for us to grow. If you turn to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 4. And we might start reading from verse 13 this morning. So there's people that I read about earlier, Abraham, Moses. No one would deny that they were great men of God, that they were used of God. The Bible calls Abraham the father of the faithful, amen. Moses was called the meekest man on the earth. I mean, and, and, and what a great leader to lead millions of people out. But they didn't let their mistakes hold them back. That was the difference. That's how they grew. They grew past the mistakes that they had made. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, start reading from verse 13, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate, verse 15, this is the verse I want to focus on. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Some translations put it like this. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Our spiritual growth should be evident. People should be able to look at us and go, we are growing spiritually. We are maturing spiritually. We are not the same this year as what we were last year, as what we were two years ago. We need to be growing and developing and learning. And we can't let our mistakes hold us back because everybody makes mistakes. And if we allow our mistakes to hold us back, they will stunt our growth. Amen. Maybe you're tired of making spiritually immature decisions. I've made plenty of them in my life. Maybe you're tired of it. Maybe you had more than your share of bad choices this year, and you want this year to be different. But if we understand the law of sowing and reaping and the consequences that come with that, what if our choices were so messed up that you'll be reaping the consequences for years to come? And I've been there. I've made mistakes in my life and thought, my Lord, how can I come back from this? How can I, how can I bring myself back to God? How can I get closer to God when I've been so far away and I've made so many mistakes? 
Let me ask you a question. Put your hands up. I want to do a scientific poll here. Put my hand down. Put your hand up if you have ever murdered anybody in cold blood. Well, praise the Lord. We don't have any murderers here. That's a good thing. <laughs> You're all like, well, okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. No, wait, no, I didn't murder anyone this year or last year. <laughs> the Bible tells of two men who did. And they went on to be two of the greatest heroes of faith that our world has ever known. I was talking to someone late last year about this one, King David. He had an innocent man murdered in an attempt to hide his own immoral relationship with that man's wife. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's 14 to 17. Man, that's mind-blowing stuff, isn't it? You think, man, how in the world could God ever use someone like that? The other one is Saul. We know him in the New Testament as Paul. But he approved the murder of the first martyr, Stephen. And then he made it his personal mission to destroy the church, dragging out its members to be hauled away into prison, possibly executed, locked up. You see, maybe, just maybe, the mistakes you've made in the last year are stained with tragic sin. Maybe you don't feel like you're that much better than Saul or that much better than David. But here's the thing. God wants you to know that you are not beyond redemption. The Bible reveals its heroes' mistakes and then tells the story about how they came back from that. This proves that God can restore even the bleakest of pasts and the most messed up of lives. Through the blood of Jesus, God is powerful enough to redeem any mistake. That ought to get an amen right there. Amen? Turn your Bibles, if you don't mind, to the book of Acts. Let's have a look at this. <clears throat> Acts chapter 26. This is, this is a portion of Paul's testimony that he's telling to King Agrippa in verse 9. Paul writes, he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He went out. He caught them as Christians, dragged them to prison, and then testified against them so that they would be executed for being Christians. This is the Apostle Paul. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Saul was obsessed with persecuting Christians. He had his heart set 
on their destruction. He wanted to completely destroy them. And with his mind like that, with his heart like that, he traveled to Damascus to arrest some Christians there and bring them back to Jerusalem so they could be tried and so they could be executed. And yet, for those of you who know the story, as Saul was traveling to Damascus, suddenly from heaven, a bright light shone down on them. And a voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you persecuting me? Now, I've always thought it quite interesting that Paul turns around, or Saul turns to this voice from whatever direction is coming, and he says, Who art thou, Lord? He knew that it was God who was speaking to him. As a God-fearing Jew, because that's what he was. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He believed in God. He knew that it was God. And the voice came back and said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Or in other words, the pricks were... Plow. Thank you. That's the word I wanted. On a plow, as, a, as, a, as an animal was pulling the plow, there was two spikes that came out from the end of the plow. So that if the, the animal turned to the left or to the right, they would get a little prick. So they would know, okay, I've got to keep going that way. Right? It was designed to keep them moving in a straight, straight line. And, and what, what Jesus was telling Saul was that you are going in the wrong direction and you're making life very difficult for yourself. But here's my point. If you had just found out that after persecuting the very people who claim to serve the name of the one who had just spoken to you and said, don't persecute me, and he had drawn that connection with him being God, hello? And you suddenly are hit with the realization that we don't know how many, but possibly tens, twenties, thirties, forties, hundreds of people had been executed because of your testimony against them. Now, I think many people would be very tempted to disappear from the pages of history based on that. God, how could you use me again? How could you minister through me? How could you change my life so much that I could go and be a witness for you, amen? But we know that he didn't do that. He could have spent the rest of his life agonizing over the mistakes that he'd made, trying to make up for it some way. But instead, what he did was he made a 180 degree turn and Saul, who we know as Paul, went on to write a significant portion of the New Testament. Words that would impact mankind and impact eternity for the rest of time. Right? So don't sit there and tell me that, well, God, you know, I've made so many mistakes in 2019 and, and I've let God down and I just can't see my way back. You didn't murder anybody. You didn't put anyone in jail with the word of your testimony and execute them for living for Jesus. So there's hope for you yet. Amen. 2020 can be different. Many biblical characters with shady pasts were later mightily used of God. Rahab listed in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, was a prostitute. 
And yet Hebrews chapter 11 lists her as one of the heroes of faith. Ruth, another honorable woman we know now, was the great-great-grandmother, the great-grandmother, sorry, of King David. And an ancestor of Jesus, but she was a Moabite. She was from a pagan nation that was known for its wickedness. Jacob, the father of the Israelites, he was once a liar and a cheater. Peter, the preacher on the first church service in Acts chapter 2, mightily used of God, he once denied Christ. Is it a coincidence that the Bible tells of so many people with huge problems that later became God-honoring world changes? No, I don't think so. God intentionally let His Word reveal His power to redeem broken lives because God knows that you are valuable. But He wants you to know that you are valuable and that you have great worth and that you are redeemable no matter what you've done, no matter your past, no matter the mistakes you've made in 2019. And, and maybe that's why you made a New Year's resolution. This year, it's going to be different. This year, I'm going to live for God more. This year, I'm not going to turn my back on the church. This year, I'm going to make a difference in people's lives. And you're looking back at 2019, you're thinking, man, I really messed that up. Don't let the past affect you. Instead, come to God and allow Him to redeem you. You may know in your head that God can forgive you. But not be convinced in your heart. To make the most of this year, we must let go of the past. You know, so often we hang on to the past. We hang on to mistakes. But here's the thing I know. God does not dangle your past over your future. Only the devil does that. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Amen? Because God will not dangle your past over your head. And so we should not wallow in it. We should not spend time spending, we should not spend time agonizing over the mistakes that we've made in last year. Yes, your mistakes might come with a price tag. Some consequences may have long-term effects, but consequences are not an excuse to let the past rule over you. You know, the person who wrote those words, there is therefore now no condemnation nation. That's the murderer. That's the one who had Christians executed. That's the one who was so anti-Jesus that he wanted to destroy every single person he could find that followed him. Now, if he can pen those words, and I don't know, maybe he was thinking of his mistakes as he wrote those. Maybe he was thinking of the times that he had failed God, and yet he's still able to say, there is no condemnation. Why was he able to say that? Because he had personally experienced coming to God and knowing that God would not hold his past over his head. Someone say amen. So my question for you on our first life class, the first lesson in our new series, 
Are you grappling with last year's mistakes? God will forgive you. As long as you ask Him. We have to repent. But God will forgive you. But we have to learn to forgive ourselves. In Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21. It says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? How often do I have to extend forgiveness to someone who's hurt me, someone who's upset me? And maybe that needs to extend to ourselves. When we feel like we've failed ourselves, we've let ourselves down. How often do we need to forgive ourselves? Peter suggests seven times. But Jesus replies in verse 22. He says, Jesus said unto him, I say not unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. What Jesus is actually saying is that our forgiveness should come without limits. Our forgiveness should come without limits. God is asking us to practice a level of forgiveness that astounds many people. But have you ever stopped to realize that Jesus would not ask us to do something that he himself would not do? I'm going to ask you that again. Have you ever stopped to realize that God would not ask us to forgive Limitless, unless he was willing to forgive limitless. You see, that's the problem. We make mistakes and we beat ourselves up and we wonder how in the world God can forgive us when we don't realize that God's forgiveness is unlimited. God does not struggle to find it within himself to forgive you. When you repent, his forgiveness is immediately available. And so the important thing is for 2020, when you fall off the straight and narrow, when you do make those mistakes and you do muck up because we're human and we're going to, the important thing is, is to hop right back on and keep moving. You know, What if you didn't make any big mistakes this year, this last year? What if, you know, and and I've never really understood this because as far as the Bible teaches sin is sin, there's no difference, right? But we like to categorize things like little white lies. It's okay. It's kind of a half truth, kind of half right. You know, but but maybe, maybe all your mistakes last year were little white ones. You didn't try very hard for young people. You didn't try very hard at school. You kind of slacked off a little bit. Maybe you stayed in a relationship that wasn't beneficial for you. Looking at young people now. Maybe you did something that you know you shouldn't do. Maybe for, for, for older people, maybe you didn't pray as much as what you know you should have. It's interesting, you know, because oftentimes those, those small problems, when we don't fix them up, they become much bigger. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7, 
story of Cain and Abel. We know that story, right? Cain murdered Abel. But before Cain ever murdered Abel, the Bible says this, God gave him a warning. He said, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. God is telling Cain, if you do what is right, everything's fine. You could just move on. Nothing needs to change. Just, just offer the right sacrifice. Do what I've told you to do. You know, the, the Bible says that sin was crouching at his door. And it's kind of like a predator that's about to pounce. And we know that Cain ignored God's warning. He refused to go back and listen to what God had said. And as a result, he became the world's first murderer. One last scripture for you this, this morning. Go to 2 Corinthians with me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 17. Why don't you all stand once you've found it as well. We're going to finish up here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Someone say new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's the identity we can have in Christ for 2020. Amen. We can walk into our future in freedom, facing forward, looking at where we're going. I encourage you this year, do not walk into the new year backwards. Focusing on all the mistakes behind you, lamenting over your sins, anguishing over what you did or did not do. Amen. But throw off the weight of that sin. Come to God and say, Lord, forgive me. He's faithful to forgive us, the Bible says us. Put it in the past and then move forward and live for God and grow and learn and know that God is with you. Amen. Your sins, your mistakes, your past. You know, young people have a saying. That's so last year. Right? The mistakes you've made. That's so last year. Don't worry about it. If you've given it to God, leave it with God. Don't keep digging up the past. Don't keep digging up those mistakes. But come to God and say, God, I want to walk forward with you. I want to live for you this year. Praise the Lord. Why don't we close our eyes? We're just going to talk to the Lord for a few minutes this morning. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus, we love you.